Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich Almas, episode 155. Hey, my riches, this is the Rich Almas show, and I'm Hayut. Wow, what a week it was. We are all suddenly in a new world of the coronavirus. So first, I want to ask each and every one of you, please take good care of yourself. And I wish we will all stay healthy or get healthy as fast as possible. None of us experienced such a crisis. It's new for all of us. However, I believe that what characterizes successful entrepreneurs is the ability to see and take advantage of the new opportunities in each situation. These days, when many of us at home and most of the business activities are lower, are the perfect time to do three things. One, get inspired. Two, learn new ways. And three, prepare your implementation plan. I believe you will find great value and opportunities to get inspired and learn from my fantastic, optimistic successful guest today, Ross Quintana. After listening to this episode, I encourage you to go to the richomiss.com website. You will find there more than 150 podcast episodes with the most successful, inspiring, and practical entrepreneurs. You will find a lot of content and guides you can learn from and plan with. Now, let's meet Ross Quintana. Ross Quintana, founder of Social Magnet, a social media and personal branding company. Sumo, top 100 social media influencer, content creator, writer, multi-talented business futurist with a passion for customers, employees, and thought leadership. Ross Quintana, what a pleasure to have you with me today. Hi. Hi, I'm glad to be here. It's such a pleasure that you are here, and I was waiting to our discussion. I just shared with our listeners what you've done until now, and I would like you to tell us what you are doing today and most passionate about, and where are you heading? Yeah. Well, my first piece on the list is for my personal brand, and actually my business, Social Magnets, we do personal branding as one of the things along with social media management um, for a variety of kind of target audiences. but. That means you have to eat your own dog food. And so, <laughs> you know, I'm constantly refreshing my own brand. And so if my 2020 goals uh, for my personal brand is uh, I'm doing two things. One is what I call the content army, which is more about share of feed and share of voice. You have to create a ton of content in order to really get in there because a lot of people just think, you know, I shared two or three pieces of content today, and the fact is, is that your whole audience may not have been there at Tuesday at 4.19 p.m. to see that thing that you put so much of your time and energy 
into creating something so high quality. So you really have to both have not just quality, but you definitely need quantity. And so one of my goals is really working on what I call my content army across many different formats. And that just takes a lot of time building micro content, doing all that. It does. And then the second thing that I am doing is putting more focus on social video. A lot of people know that I was, you know, an early adopter of live streaming, doing different things, but I still look at myself and I say, okay, I need to do more social video. So I'm, I'm an influencer for a couple of brands um, in the video space, Animoto and V.io, a couple of really cool tools um, that I teamed up with for 2020. And I'm just really working on including more of that because I think for people to get out there, it's so easy to feel like you're creating a lot of content and really not imparting yourself out there in the content. And it's just like, even for business owners, you mm -hmm. know, if someone meets the owner of a business, that's the best salesperson. They created it. They know all about, they, they breathe it, they're passionate about it. And yet so many times that human aspect is totally removed from the brand. Even if they're writing content or having somebody write content, they've got a website and they've got social updates, we definitely just need more video. The more video you can get, the more you're going to display what you're all about. And people connect with people. So it's not, they connect with people more than just information. So those two pillars have been for my personal brand, what I'm working on. And then for social magnets, uh, we help people develop their personal brand yeah. and take it to that next level. We manage social media and help them grow targeted audiences. That's one of the things we kind of do in kind of a very particular uh, side, instead of waiting for growth to happen organically just from sharing content, we actually, we, we have a whole set of methodologies and strategies behind actually growing your targeted audience so that it has value and has the ability to mm -hmm. do business, has the ability to create community, all of those kind of things. And then I also am head of social for Adobe Partners. So yeah, I, I saw that. There that I'm doing, and that is, uh, that is, First of all, love the company and loved them before I went to work with them. I was an influencer for three years for them on the enterprise side before coming and actually working for them and actually we moved to, to Utah here where they have a, a headquarters here in Lehigh. So we're going out and developing that partner ecosystem and, and helping manage the social there and growing their audience. And I designed a social selling program for their partners and, hmm. and uh, trained their partners on using social media in their business practice. And so that has been amazing. And then I have, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about what's going on in the world. And one of my clients yeah. is Gravity Speakers, their Speakers Bureau. Hmm. And so they're definitely, as a matter of fact, earlier today, I was just writing a post about how this is affecting conferences, speakers. I have a lot of friends in that space. And so once travel starts being altered or conferences, you know, I, I, I turn the conversation into something that, yes, it's easy to be like, this is horrible or look what's happening, but that goes with all business disruption. Yeah. Um, it's more about, are we building our business model for the future? And it's less about what's happening today that might be disrupting us and more about, okay, what about virtual meetings? What about AR? What about my connection to my community? Do I have that or are they just people in the audience? It's the same with social media. Are they just followers or do you have actual relationships that you're developing? Because relationships 
will last through disruption. And so anybody who knows me knows I'm a big fan and I'm all in on people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where the, the ultimate value is. And then the last piece, and yeah. I know I know I had, see, and this is only the top uh, three things here. I, <laughs> I probably have 12, but that's the nature of who I am. I, I, I have many things going at all times. And the last piece is working on um, my first book, oh. which, which I had a couple of books and I actually wrote a book. And then I thought, because they're in different lanes, I'm a very multi-talented person. I have different interests. Yeah. And so a lot of times, actually, my friend Brian Solis, um, you may know, um, I talked with him because he had his book Life Scale that he came out with. And it was a, it was a little bit off the beaten path from his normal um, digital transformation, future of customer experience stuff. And so I was talking with him and he was giving me some advice because I was going to come out with a book that wasn't my main like business focus. And he's like, well, maybe you shouldn't do that. Focus instead first on, on your business book. So that one is called radiating value. And it's really about the future of business of holistic business and how to tie it all together. Okay. And when is it going to publish? Um, hopefully by the end of the year. It's one of the things that I'm working on. It's not my primary goal, but I'm hoping 2020 that that's, the, that's when I get it uh, released and everything. And so basically that's really about all these little slivers in business everyone's talking about, customer mm-hmm. experience, employee experience, digital transformation, technology, all of these kind of things. What's happening is business is actually becoming more complex. And so all the established ways of doing business of let's put some sweaters on the shelf and wait for people to come by and pick them up and buy them. That's really a simplistic model of business and business has gotten more complex. And so people go into digital transformation, they realize they have a customer experience problem and they've got an IT problem and they've got a MarTech problem. And, and the more they look, the more they realize that they're not prepared to really holistically put all those pieces together and understand how modern and future business is going to be done. That's correct. And I, I love you saying that, but I also think that we're all going to see a lot of changes going on right now. And no one of us knows really where it's going. And I think we will need to adjust to a new reality in the coming months. And uh, as marketeers, I think we must take it in consideration. Absolutely. And, and the crazy thing that you just said was in the next few months, <laughs> right? This isn't like, yeah. hey, over the next five years, where do you think business is going? When things like this happen, and that's one of the things that I talked about in that article that was just about the event industry. And that's, this isn't just something that's happening in the moment, but what it is doing is it's, it's accelerating, right? Because virtual events, sure. people are, we were talking earlier about social media marketing world. They already have a virtual ticket. There's already major events that we're already pushing into virtualization, but how's that affect the speakers? Do the speakers have all their talks already set up with professional videos for, to be able to offer up at the, moment when something in a physical event goes wrong, do they say, hey, that's cool. I've got my whole thing here. Or do they start to think about it? And that's what's happening right now. And it's what's been happening in digital transformation in the business world is people are getting nervous and then they're getting scared and then they realize they're behind the times and that things are changing and continuing to change. And so all that's happening, the common thread here is acceleration. So whether it's two months and all of a sudden you realize, hey, 
we don't have, I can't get to my event. What am I going to, well, I don't know. It's disaster recovery, right? What was your... So many speakers out there today. Oh, yeah. I'm friends with a lot of them. And I see all the conversations and the teardrop emojis yes. from my friends who are saying, hey, March was going to be my biggest revenue month, and now it's totally gone. And it's the same for events. I mean, when things like South by Southwest gets candled, canceled, look at how much revenue that's generating for the city, for the businesses, for everything, all, all the traffic. So... This is basic disaster recovery, right? I mean, do you have an, an disaster planning? Recovery is a nice name. I think we didn't get to the peak of that yet. I mean, things are changing so quickly now, and so many people are going to need to adjust. I'm in some of the very hectic groups of entrepreneurs. A lot of things are going to change. I think people, especially in the U.S., Uh, not realizing that yet, that uh, somebody really took the cheese <laughs> to a very far new place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You're quoting the Spencer Johnson there. I have that over on my, who moved my cheese. Um, yeah. So, so, and here's the thing too. What I was saying is like, I've been a remote working for, you know, like 10 years. So like to me, I've already seen that this isn't necessarily something new, but what happens? A change happens, and now all of a sudden, a whole bunch of adoption. What you did is you adjusted the adoption curve. Yeah. So instead of it still working slowly, all of a sudden you have a massive amount of businesses that are saying, stay home and work. Now, if you'd have asked them two months ago, they think, oh, how can I have my workers stay at home, even though people have been doing this across industries for a long time? Mm -hmm. right. And it's like now they're pushed into it, and actually what they're going to realize is they're just advancing the future even faster because that's why I'm saying it's not just like, oh, this is terrible, this is stressful change, it's negative. No, it's called embrace it and realize that we were going there anyway. This problem just pointed out a weakness in the way that we operate in different industries that will then adapt. That's what we do as humans. That's, that's probably one, it's the reason we have the most magnificent world And all the technology and all the capabilities that we have is because of our ability to adapt. And you don't usually adapt. There's the proactive adaptation. And then there's the reactive, which is, uh-oh, something happened. Now we have to be excellent really fast. And we rise to the occasion as, you know, as humanity, you know, does. It rises to the occasion. And so for this, I'm looking at this and I say, you know, instead of going out and, and talking about the difficulties that certainly are broadly going to be there, I look at it and say, look, all this, what's this going to do as a futurist? I'm always looking at these things. It's going to push forward remote work massively because people are going to go, wait a minute, they're actually more productive at home. Why are they, why am I paying them 45 minutes to drive and to create pollution and stress when they could stay at home and we could pay them and get that 45 minutes in work? in like just times that by 100, 200, 300 million people. And what would that impact have in the business world? And again, uh, you know, all the way through. So these little changes, you know, it's the butterfly effect kind of, you know, this, this little movement can make massive change. And I agree that we're, we're definitely going to be in for change, but it isn't going to be all bad. Give a little hope out there to people. Hmm. This podcast is mainly about customer focused and listening and things that we talked about before. And I want to ask you, what would be your best advice to any entrepreneur 
regarding the customer focus or approaching their customers? Well, the best advice for right now or the best advice in general in business? <laughs> Actually, I'm asking about the general advice to entrepreneurs. You know, the number one reason for failures among entrepreneurs, according to their perception, to the entrepreneurs that failed, is no market need, yeah. which I can assure you because I made the research that it's not a question of no market need. It's a question of either not addressing the right customers or not being able to define the new or unfamiliar product the right way that customers can understand that. Absolutely. So, um, and, but <laughs> I want you to give your advice to every entrepreneur that listens to us yeah. right now. So the first thing that I'll say, just in response to what you just said about demand, most people blame the wrong things. They think, mm -hmm. oh, I didn't have enough money. That's why I wasn't able to promote it. You know, I didn't have a big enough budget. No, there's people with no budget who are just crushing it and crushing big companies with big budgets. Uh, I didn't have enough time. As a growth hacker, I, I make marketing memes, and one of them has the, I can't remember what movie it's from, but they're laughing at the table hysterically, and it says, you can actually do more and have more free time. And the answer is yes, I, I'm a living example of that. Like I do wow. maybe five times as much as, as the average person in a day. And I can also take off and go snowboarding in this afternoon if I wanted to wow. or play some games or spend time with my family or, or do that. So, so it's actually how your mindset is. And we talked about that earlier right. and, and understanding as a matter of fact, I'm going to create a course on growth hacking, which isn't specific you know, people think growth hacking is about the software industry or startups. No, it isn't. It's actually a mindset. And when you start to understand how things work, you won't create more work for yourself. You'll create more value for yourself. And you'll get more outputs with less inputs. And then those freed up resources allow you to reinvest that into your happiness, into doing more. If you want to do 10 times what you're doing right now, you can do that too. But let's get back to the, the question you asked me, which is about the best advice for approaching the customer. This is what I always say, and I think it comes down to the core, right? Not the, the shallow tactics, but the core. First off, I say know yourself. You, so many people don't really understand their own brand. They don't understand the value that their brand is. As a matter of fact, I did a little video on it about what does your brand enable? In other words, the smartphone, you're telling me it's 10% thinner and you've got 20% battery life. I don't care about any of those things. I'm not a battery manufacturer. I, I don't care about thinness. No one was walking into the store with a tiny little uh, precision measuring tool to <laughs> say, well, I'm looking for one that's you know 10 microns thinner. Nobody buys for that. You know what they want to do? They want the battery life so that they can take pictures of their kid that they love or their favorite sports team, or whatever it is, their dog. That's what you're selling is, hey, you're not gonna miss those moments. You're not gonna, you're gonna be able to relive those moments and those great experiences that you're having you, that you're capturing with your phone, or you're gonna be able to do that work without getting in trouble from your boss because your phone died and you couldn't send the report or whatever it is. So the first yeah. thing that I say is know yourself, know your capability, and what you're actually delivering. You're not delivering a piece of plastic and a 10% better battery life. You're delivering something 
that facilitates someone to capture their life, relive their best moments of their life. I'm using the cell phone as an example to connect with the people they care about, to do work wherever they go, which makes them have all those things. I've been with Nokia. That's what Nokia talked about all the time when the cameras just arrived and it was about connecting people. Exactly. But sorry for interrupting you. Oh, no problem. No, this is, this is knowing because so many people miss that, right? Even like we were just talking about conferences, understanding that you're delivering value and an experience in real time with that value. Now you can do that virtually. You, won't, you can do it both in real time. You can deliver value and personalized experience. If you just broadcast stuff, you're just delivering the content and there's value there, right? But what about that feeling when you're in that crowd? What about with the people that you're going to meet, a social aspect? All that can be recreated digitally if you're aware enough to understand what are the mechanics of what a conference in real life is. If you can't decode that, you can't remake that for the future. You'll end up just taking one element and leaving behind a bunch, leaving people dissatisfied. And so a lot of people looking into that, they're thinking, and this goes for everybody out there, you know, going back to the question about approaching their customer, you have to actually know all the parts of value that you deliver. That includes going to your customers and saying, okay, we got a marketing team who's over here in a group and they're trying to deliver value that has nothing to do because they didn't even talk to any of the customers. We hired them as a third party agency. It's like, wait, what? You have social media. You can talk to your customers. You could talk to one. You don't need to talk to a million of them. You can go out there and create conversations and know, why did you buy this? What's this mean in your life to you? All that stuff is about knowing who you are and what your true value is. Once you look at yourself, once you look at your true value, not what you think, but what the market thinks, and then you say, what is my highest value? Who, you know, anybody can, um, just perfect example, we use the phone, we use the phone. Anybody could buy a phone. There's some people who buy it to make a phone call, which sounds crazy, right? Because it could do so many things. Yeah. But that's if all there they are do. any people, yeah. All they do they is use it for... to make Some people, they send 10,000 texts a day to their friends in school. And that's the big value for them. Some people watch funny videos. Some people do business and do deals around the country for their business so they can be on the beach somewhere and still be making money. Like that phone means so many different things. But the key is, what's the highest value for your product? Because it's easy to sell everything you can do, but you don't need to sell everything you can do. Mm. One thing that I see entrepreneurs and startups really fail, and sometimes I walk in, I met them five seconds ago, and I can see the true value of their company. They can't. They've had it for five years. Or they've been developing. It's their baby, their creation. It always blows my mind a little bit because I'm like, how did I walk in five minutes ago and I can see 10 times the value in what you're actually doing mm. than you and you created it. Yeah. But that's a real thing. And that's why sometimes it makes sense. You know, there's a false assumption that because I created it, I know what the real secret sauce is. That's not always true. Yeah, that's the biggest mistake. Yeah. Exactly. For someone else to come in and find your high value. You know, maybe your highest value, maybe you're selling out there. It's funny. Here's a final story. When I was building social magnets, right? One of the first things that I decided was, is I thought, okay, I'm going to go, you know, I had done real estate before that for about 12 years, always been interested in marketing oh. and all kinds of different things. And so I came in and I thought, you know, I'm going to get them with my, 
with all my points, you know, all my uh, all my my value proposition. I'm gonna let me, let me start making all the bullet points of everything I can do for you. And then it was funny. I had an aha moment, and I saw I had like 20, 30 things on there, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna hit him with so much value that I'm gonna be able to charge him this money, and I'm justifying my cost because look at all this value I'm delivering. And then I'm I'm very much a contrarian, and so. I turned around and I thought, wait a minute, what if the alternate reality was true? Let me look at this list. What's actually the least I could do for somebody that hmm. has the most value? And, you know, it's like the light bulb went off. I thought, you know, some of this stuff takes a tremendous amount of time and I'm not getting paid any more for it. And so part of being a growth hacker is understanding inputs and outputs. And so what I did was I said, what's the least most valuable thing I can deliver to my customers that takes the least input. What is that high leverage move that I can do? And I start changing the list and reordering it and prioritizing. And then I went back and said, okay, instead of offering everything in the world to everybody, which means mm -hmm. you'll be nothing to nobody. Instead, I got very specific and said, I can really do this. Now, how can I double down and deliver even more value on these things that are super high leverage for me? And so, I started working on those methodologies and those workflows and all that. And I started to build my business and I see it all the time. People make more work for themselves. Like one of the target markets that we um, help is executives, thought leaders, speakers, influencers. Mm -hmm. We, I help them build their brand. They're busy being amazing, speaking at conferences, running companies, or even if they're an influencer and they're all in on YouTube, but they have no presence on Twitter. I come in and help build their audience and build a more targeted audience and help amplify who they are so that it matches, perfect example with speakers, speakers are out there doing events, doing all this and that. What they're not doing most of the time is managing their social media other than giving some updates. And so nobody knows digitally how awesome they mm, are. Every time right. I sit down and have a talk with them, I'm like, look, this bio, it's only two sentences long. There's no way that can say, I've talked with you for an hour. You're amazing. You're doing amazing things, but I don't know that if I don't know you. And so you need help to be more you out there and to get that broadcast and put out there and available. And so that's one of the things that we do. And, you know, people have to think about that and say, gosh, how am I going to build that community? How am I going to take that and expand it? But also, what about the input? Because you can't do both. You can't be there all the time. And most people, even with social media, they say, oh, I don't have all the time. So what did I do? I went and for years, studied and figured out how do I shrink workflows? How do I make this more efficient? How can I do this? Not in a sense of like lazy optimization where mm. someone's spamming something sure. and it's all automated, but actually being the scientist, going in and saying, what are the things that I can do? Just like that list, right, that I made. What are the high leverage things that I can do? How can I change this? How can I take that thing such as social video? One of the things I'm working on right now. You know why most people don't do social videos? Because video in general has a high bar, right, of entry. So they're thinking, oh, I got to buy lighting equipment. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to look on camera. Oh, I got to go. <laughs> and that keeps a lot of people out. And so how do you get these really quality videos? Then people go, well, gosh, maybe I'll make a garbage video that's just totally... You know, I'm in my sweats and I'm, you know, my hair is messy, but hey, I can press the button and go. Okay, I've seen that side and in some, there's, there's some times when it might be okay. And then the other side, which is, 
oh, we're, we're so overproduced, but it's costing us money and time and all that. And so what I did is look and say, how can I break this into the parts and start to growth hack the things that are difficult? How can I take those things that take a lot of time and make them to they don't? And that's how you unlock the key to go, oh, now I'm able to produce X amount of micro content that's high high quality, but I'm doing it 10 times faster than it normally would take. Now you make it accessible for people. And that's kind of some of the stuff that I've been working mm-hmm. with. But, you know, bouncing back to approaching your best customer, we talked about leverage and understanding who you are, what's your highest value, what's your true value. And then the last piece I'll put onto that was that I choose relationships, not revenue. Hmm. I feel like all business, I always say it, all business is done through people. And so for me, my whole life was changed, you know? Our whole life went from, you know, we I grew up with nothing. We had nothing, went out there, you know, I've got I've got eight kids. Wow. Where we went we went from having nothing, just trying to survive, being on welfare, and to making a six figure income and having pretty much ninety percent of my free time to do whatever I want with every day, still make my money, do all that. I didn't realize, and it's funny because when you come from a lot of struggles in your background, your mind still stays there even after you're out of the woods. Mm. And so you're still in survival mode. Yeah. You've got successes a lot, and we are going to talk about this in a minute. But I would like to ask you, what is your biggest, most critical failure with customers? The one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most or almost the most? I will say it's a combination of probably maybe a couple things that, you know, there's nothing disconnected in life. <laughs> I would say it's a, a success and a failure story when I figured it out. Pricing, I undervalued myself as an entrepreneur constantly. I started, my first client was $50 a month. Oh. I was sending emails and doing a ton of work because that was when the real estate market crashed. <laughs> and I was making, I, we were losing our house. Oh. I was, you know, I, I was a big success in real estate and then it all came crashing down oh. and I just needed to make some money. And so I decided to push to the right and pivot into marketing And I remember taking my first client was a friend of mine that I knew, and he hired me for 50 bucks a month to do a lot of work. And I was like, hey, that's better than $0 a month, which I'm making right now. So I I took whatever I could Hmm. to get water through the gills, get money coming in. But then as you watch that progress, what ends up happening is then I went to 200 a month, then 500, then 1,000. I kept changing my minimum, but it took a long time. And my wife would always say, you know, she knows all the financial sins, right? Because she has to deal with the consequences of it. She's like, why are you underselling yourself? You do great at this. You just, you just got a client, took a client for 1000 Why didn't you say 2000 And so I remember there was actually a big Fortune 500 client that I got. And I remember... I came back and I was talking to her. They wanted a proposal. And I said, well, I'm thinking about this and that, which from where I was pricing wise, it was a step up. And my wife's like, you know what? These are bigger companies. You know, you're, you're thinking too small. And I came back and I tripled my bid and they not only met my bid, but they added another 25% to it from the range. Wow. And it ended up at that time being my largest client by a long shot. Wow. And that proved a valuable lesson, which is, 
uh, later I got into the kind of corporate space and realized how much these companies were paying people for what I considered after looking at it, not above average work. And I was like, wow, the more exposure I had, the more I realized hmm. I'm not valuing myself enough. I'm not pricing. There's people who do a very subpar, mediocre or below job that are pricing themselves much better. And then the people sometimes who have tremendous value, they think they're worth just this tiny one fifth fraction of that. And so that was a big, that was my biggest mistake. And it wasn't a single, it was an ongoing. Hmm. Sometimes we forget that part of branding is also the price. And a lot of time, the, the fact that you, that people should pay in order to work with you shows how good you are and you should be there. I, I think it's an, it's an excellent story. Now I would like to ask you a story about your success. And um, I want you to, if you can, to tell us the story of your greatest, most significant success. The best will be if it's a result of the right customer focus or something you did right with your customers, but any story that has to do with your business is good. What is your biggest success? Boy, I'm... 120% on appreciation. So to me, I always feel like hmm. I appreciate everything. Everything is a great success, hmm. even things that people would think is difficulty sometimes. So picking out my greatest success, I would say every customer to me is a journey into a new avenue to succeed and learn, including failures, that I feel like everyone contributes to my business. It's really not cookie cutter. It's very much... I absorb everything I can out of mm. every situation. I think one of my, like the example I just gave with, with that client that became my biggest yeah. client. And, and it was one of those things where they obviously saw the value. I was producing that type of value before I asked for that price tag. Because an entrepreneur, you don't know. You're not looking on anyone's paper. I don't know what everyone's doing or charging or delivering. Most of the time, we're creating these things. And so pricing it, knowing its true market value becomes very ambiguous. And some people go boldly when they shouldn't, but hey, they, they get it. And other people have highly skilled and they miss it. So I would say one of my biggest successes, I think there's a name for it. You know that thing where they take the little um, the paper clip and then they trade it and sell it and get something else and get something bigger. And before you know sure. it, they're buying the Lamborghini and <laughs> yeah. start with a paperclip. So that is how I would say my biggest success. It's not an event. I just don't, some people have major, major events. For me, it was actually, for example, my work with Adobe, okay. right? I met them on yeah. Twitter. Like that's crazy to me to think that I, I randomly went to their Adobe chat. I started giving value and just sharing I was so happy to just be there and be part of the conversation, supporting, giving value to other people, everything. Eventually, it, it, I had no requirement. I wasn't going there to get a client or anything. Eventually, they invited me out to, after a long time of giving support, to be an influencer for them at a hmm. Adobe Summit. Wow. Eventually, that I went out there and delivered value and gave and had no expectation in return. Eventually that turned into them wanting to hire me, which then moved me and my family to a whole other state and our, our, even our, our income and not just from that client, but from everything that was happening in our life, it just started to get exponential and get better and better. And it was like, 
from what? So what do I tell people? Do I tell people, hey, this big moment changed my life? Or was it the, the fact Twitter. that I, I was willing to be part of a conversation on Twitter and that eventually changed the life of me and my whole family? Like, that's the part that's crazy. I started this, I lived in um, Spokane, Washington. So it was a little town, not even, you know, you can't I call it a city, but I don't know. Um, the fact is, is it was, it, there's nothing going on there. If I would have stayed there, I felt like I would have been making brochures for, you know, for a credit union. And that would have been the, the, the end of my marketing career or whatever. Like, I just thought, oh, I want to do something bigger. I want to be with the people who are doing amazing things. I want to be in those places, but I never was. So I got on my computer and I said, you know what? I got a people problem. I just am not one of those people in Silicon Valley or who went to college with the people who started these <laughs> billion dollar companies. I, if I was, I would have been that guy. But I thought, you know what, I'm not. So I was like, you know what, I got the internet. And so I got on there and I just started connecting, not asking for anything, just building my network, realizing I needed to be connected with the people that were doing things and making things. Fast forward, I grew you know, my Twitter from zero to over 100,000 real followers, um, not, not fake bots or whatever, you know, all that kind of stuff, but building, relentlessly building relationships. Mm -hmm. My network became wow. my biggest success. If I had to say one thing, my network, because not only was it a network, it was relationships. And I remember sitting there, you know, looking over, I was, uh, you know, at, uh, at the office, I looked over and, and the gal next to me was like, oh, how'd you get hired here? And in my mind, I'm thinking, here's a, a multi-billion dollar company and I'm not gonna be telling her that I went to Stanford or look at this incredible resume. You know what I have? Hmm. I have relationships and your bosses and their bosses, bosses all know me and value me and they made a spot for me and it has nothing to do with some kind of transactional exchange. It has everything to do with delivering value as a person, developing yourself and then also having amazing relationships because that's how business really is done. Wow. <laughs> um, no, I love that, really, it's beautiful. Ross, can you recommend the best and most effective technological or digital tool that related to customer focus, marketing, or sales. However, I'm not looking for the last shiniest tool in the endless list. I'm looking for something that really works for you. Relationships. I'm going to have a funny answer. And when I wrote it, you know, I'm, I'm counterculture. Go for that. You know I'm counterculture, so my answer is going to not even seem like an answer. Because um, I'm going to say social media, which isn't a tool. It is a tool. It's something that nobody thinks... It's a good answer. Nobody thinks that social media is a new hot thing, and they're absolutely wrong. Social media is not fully integrated or adopted. The value of social media is not even close to being scratched on the surface. So I'm going to tell you right now, the crazy answer is I'll, I'll take social media in general... And YouTube, YouTube to learn anything and everything and master whatever you're doing 10 times better if you take a little time to invest. But social media allows me to create those relationships, whether it's with my customers, whether I'm building my brand awareness, whether I'm learning how I should be building my business. Like there is not a single tool, like tools enable functional kind of efforts, right? I mean, like I could pick a tool if I want to, I love this. 
I think you're right, and they think because everything is changing, it's very easy to say, oh, it's, it's an old thing, social media, nothing is new there. <laughs> They're so wrong, because here's what's happened. There was a study, I can't remember who did it, but they looked at the top 500 brands and said, how long does it take to get uh, a real return on your social mm. media uh, investment? Their answer was an average of three to five years. So now if we back up three to five years, or if we just take a poll of everybody now, most people have been doing it three to five months, if that, and or they've been doing it a couple of years. Maybe they're doing it right, maybe they're doing it wrong. The fact is, businesses haven't got yet, even at the time of that, to see what's it like in 10 years, especially with things progressing massively. What role will social media have in 15 years? We haven't even got there. We think, oh, I got that, I open that package, I throw it to the side, let me look for the new thing, and everyone wants to talk about, well, it's going to be AI, or it's going to be AR, and it's going to be all this. And I'm like, you know, the adoption curve rules. And so the fact is, we haven't fully embraced and figured out social media, and it's going to get better year over year. That's why I always tell clients, it's like, if a startup comes to me and says, I got you know, 30 days or 60 days, we're gonna do a crowdfund and we wanna start building mm-hmm. social, but for their mind, it's like, we want social to do X for us in 30 days. I'm like, nah, that's this, you don't understand social. That isn't gonna do anything. You probably wanna hire somebody else. If you aren't committed to your own brand, are you gonna be here past 60 days? Then your social media needs to be there past 60 days. If you want this, you should have started two years ago on social media so you'd have a nice audience instead of pulling out your wallet and paying mm-hmm. to talk to someone's rented audience. Like that makes no sense to me. You now have the ability to incubate leads, to create a community of all the people you wanna talk to. That's what you should be doing every day for the next years, years after that, Hmm. grow your audience bigger. and And some people have an audience, they don't have a community. So it's like, okay, then you got half the answer, but you haven't figured out how to turn that into community because all this takes years, but when you do it, even at a small scale, if you do it right, you could see results right away and instantly. But if you do it wrong, which a majority of people are, and brands even, I I mean, I even see big brands. You know, I've managed social for big brands, little brands, startups. I mean, there's not a lot of people who actually get it. And when you do get it, and then you put the time and energy to invest in it, day after day, month after month, year after year, what you're gonna end up is having something so powerful, it's going to fuel your customer experience, it's going to be tied to your product design usage and ownership, it's going to be your PR, it's gonna be your social listening, your feedback loops, it's gonna be everything. So, I mean, we haven't even scratched the surface of the value, that the exponential value that social media is gonna produce. You're right. You know, there are many things that affects one's success. However, I really believe that for each of us, there is one thing that really helps us to win. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? I would say it's people. My love for people. <laughs> like there's just, to me, it's not even close. I'm all in on people. And it doesn't matter. Everybody doesn't have to benefit me. I go out, people meet me online, I'm gonna talk to them, I'm going to engage. What can I do for you? I don't need anything. I work hard building my stuff, I don't need anything from somebody, but I'm a big giver and I'm, I'm excited to learn about them, to give to them. If you just do that, that authenticity, which sadly is an overused, misused kind of word now, you can't become more human, you are human, it's just you're not acting human. 
You know, it's like that authenticity of really actually caring about the people, what they're doing, and putting yourself out there, that is a rare thing. And that rarity means it has a mm. lot of value. And so I would just say, I'm all in on people, building network, getting out there. Everybody's in their kind of little cocoon doing their own little thing in their own little world. I think that's so limiting in every area of your life that it's so much better yeah. to be engaged. If you're out there and you're engaged and you're giving, I think you're going to, every door will be open for you. I came from nothing and built it that way. Wow. I love it so much. And now, before I ask you how to connect with you, my last question is my mountain question. <laughs> and as my listeners already know, I have imagined for years this journey of marketing in the mind of the customer as climbing a mountain, first building the awareness and then building the know, like, and trust, and then building the brand in the mind of the customer. And it's all a matter of perception and being there. And at some point I started to ask my guests, and that was I asked you, whether you ever climbed the mountain or wished to climb a mountain or do you have any relationships with mountains at all? And it can be either physical mountain, but you can also take it to the metaphor. Well, uh, I have a good answer for that because first of all, I used to be a sponsored snowboarder when the sport was early. Wow. So I'd have to start by saying, I don't climb a mountain, I ride a mountain. Mm, um, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. So there's that. Now on the other, which by itself is actually a great metaphor for business as well. It's creating versus reacting to the market. You know, are you trudging for trying to build your business and trying to add all this stuff? Or is your mindset before you even start saying, I'm going to ride that mountain. You know, it's not, it's not something, am I, am I going from struggle to struggle or even in climbing the mountain or am I dominating by, by taking those steps and building that success and doing all that? Your mindset's everything, man. The world isn't going to get any better. Uh, I don't think necessarily in that sense, you have to get better though. Hmm. And, and so that changes your whole outlook on life. Now on the mountainside though, we moved, as I said, to Utah. Yeah. And one of the reasons I moved to Utah was for these mountains. Hmm, it really? is ridiculous. You drive through here. I drove through here. It was kind of night. They have the most crazy peaks. It's like you're in the Alps somewhere or something. It's like Lord of the Rings style mountains that make you feel so small. We came through at night and I thought it was clouds, like low hanging clouds that were right next to us. And then you realize when it comes into focus, Those aren't clouds. Those are walls of steep mountains you're surrounded by. And it was just so awe-inspiring. I loved it. And I always joke because, you know, when I, we got here, we talked to a cashier or somebody, you know, as we're meeting, they'd say, oh, you just moved here. And I would say, you know what? You guys have the most ridiculous mountains. There's not a window. I could be at the store. I look out of the parking lot. I get these epic views. Who lives like this? And so mountains for me... Um, definitely inspiring. I wake up every morning, I walk up and in this house, the laundry room has the best views, sadly and weirdly, um, of the mountains. And I look out at them and it's just, they're huge. They're steep. They're so impending. And then 
it's just like, wow, I'm ready to start my day, man. I'm excited to be alive mm. and uh, ready to get go, get going. So beautiful. So beautiful. <laughs> um, Ross, what is the best way to uh, connect with you for any of our listeners that would like to be in touch? Yes. First of all, thank all the listeners just for listening and being connected. Um, I'm a person who will actually talk, connect, do. It's like I don't need a, a fan, right? <laughs> That's a person to me. Everybody's a person on the other side that I can't wait to get to know. Um, and Beautiful. you can connect with, with me on – I'm very active on Twitter. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking at it every day, so you're not likely going to message me or – or something and I didn't see it. Uh, LinkedIn is another spot that I love to be connected professionally. Facebook on a personal level, again, because you can, um, each of them, you know, I'm going to engage, but they're kind of people go there with a different kind of mindset, right. uh, Instagram, any of those. Uh, and then our blog, uh, socialmagnets.net. So you can reach out to me there, but I love connecting, chatting. Someone's got a project, they, they want, some talent on there. I have like never ending bandwidth and I love meeting people and mm-hmm. being a part of and adding value to new projects. So, you know, no matter what I'd say, reach out and hit me up and I can probably help you. And I love connecting people to other things too and seeing what makes, what they're excited about because I probably know somebody in my network who could help them advance and leverage what they're doing. And I'm happy to make those connections. Hmm. Thank you so much. And we will have all these links in the show notes of this interview. And Ross, I would like to thank you so much. It has been a fascinating discussion. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for thinking of me. Um, of course. I, I expect nothing from, you know, anybody I came up with, nothing. And so for me, like appreciation is my gold and thoughtfulness is my gold. So I just appreciate you for having me on the show mm-hmm. and, uh, and thinking about me and including me. Really. Thank you. It's a great pleasure. And we'll stay in touch. Take care. Thank you so much. And bye-bye. All right. Have a great day. Bye-bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.